Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real. Goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk Live here on YouTube. Welcome back to everyone who's listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this wonderful show today. I am your host. Of course, it's me, just me. Omer Q, El Jefe of Real Take Sports, INC, and we have a lot to talk about. Last night, yesterday rather, was week two of the NFL season, week two Sunday of the NFL season, where we saw a slate of amazing games. A lot happened. I had a very late night as my Ravens, of course, defeated, finally conquered the the beast that is the Kansas City Chiefs offense where Lamar Jackson had a magnificent game we'll talk about him we'll talk about some of the unsung heroes from NFL week two as well as we saw Sam Darnold and the Panthers now who who have quickly made their name for themselves in the first two weeks of the seasons but will it last we'll talk about that also going to be talking about a lot more stuff including the officiating some bye week news and all this other stuff that that just made and the makes the NFL the NFL and makes it the most watched sport in America today. And I'm glad you're listening to what should be the most watched and or listened to podcast in America today. That is Real Take Sports. Welcome everyone again. So we we do have a lot to talk about. I, I, I want to make I want to be serious about that because look the as the NFL comes in. Um, and by the way, this Monday show that we're doing, it's just, this is kind of a special occasion. Uh, we we did last we didn't do last week's show rather because of timing issues and whatnot. So apologies for that. This is kind of half a make good half. There were there's a lot to talk about because there's so much news and we need to hit it immediately. That's why I'm kind of doing this this special one off Monday episode. There might be more of these in the future who knows you know if there's a big week in football we might need another football uh episode to kind of act as a recap uh in a more timely manner so that's what we're doing right now just to explain that and again sorry for not doing last week things happen but i'm so glad to be back here with you and if you guys haven't already please hit that like button subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released if you're listening on spotify or apple podcast hit that follow button and leave us a five star review so here we go so let's get started and talk about the nfl week two because there's a lot of news that came out of this and we also saw the some of the results that happened so here you, here you can see the results of what happened in NFL Week 2. Some big wins by some very, very interesting teams. Of course, the Raiders won 26-17 in Pittsburgh. San Francisco beat the Eagles 17-11. Houston got beat by the Browns. We'll talk about Houston in a second as their quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, goes down with an injury. 23-13 was the final score in Denver as the Broncos took, uh, took on the Jaguars. And... The Saints, of course, we talked about it, got beat 26-7, absolutely shellacked by the Carolina Panthers. Rams over the Colts, 27-24. Patriots over the Jets, of course, 25-26. 35-0, a nothing burger. 35-0, Bills over the Dolphins, 17-20, winning with uh, the Bears winning that game. 30-29 in favor of the Washington football team, who actually played on Thursday night. 48 to 25 for the uh, for the Bucks over the Falcons. 
34 to 33 on a missed field goal as time expired. Oh, if you're a Vikings fan, you gotta, gotta hate that. You hate to see it. Uh, of course, the Cardinals ended up winning that game. Derrick Henry had a monster performance as the Titans beat, absolutely beat the uh, Seattle Seahawks at the end of that game, 33-30. to 30, 30, 30, 20-17 Cowboys over the Chargers. And, of course, the nightcap, 36-35. My Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson ran past and did whatever the hell else they could and won that game. 36-35 was the final from Sunday Night Football. And, look... Whatever you think of your teams, whether they won or lost, whether they had a great performance or not, this is why we love the NFL. Because last night, yesterday proved that anything can happen, and it just wasn't that uh, Ravens-Chiefs game. It was also uh, the Raiders game. The Raiders are a team that notoriously plays the Steelers hard. That's why I had them as the I, I didn't like them as the underdog in that game. I thought they were they should have been heavily favored actually in that game because they always play the Steelers tough. By the way, not to tell my not to toot my own horn, but this week 12 and 13. 12 and 13 this week on the game guesses. I uh, just want to get this out of the way so it's on the record. I have Detroit. Yes, Detroit winning. Detroit winning over Green Bay on Monday Night Football tonight. 34 to 29. We'll see if Aaron Rodgers can can rally the troops after that heartbreaking loss to the Saints, who, by the way, again lost to the Panthers. Big big story there, but but yeah. So there's a lot a lot of to take away from the scores, a lot to take away from what happened. But the biggest takeaway for me, the biggest takeaway from Week Two of the NFL for me, were the injuries, and there were a lot of them. A lot of major injuries to some major teams and some major players as well. Andy Dalton from the Bears, he left with an injury. Uh, Carson Wentz, he now is dealing with two ankle sprains somehow. So he left the Colts game. He is doubtful to play next Sunday. We could see uh, Eason get some playing time on Sunday. Tyrod Taylor for the Texans, he left in, in the second quarter with a hamstring injury. So He's so they've got some problems there, obviously in Houston, and their problems just got worse with Tyrod Taylor getting out. Baker Mayfield, he le- left the game for a little bit and ended up coming back for the Browns. But T.J. Watt also left the game for the Steelers. Tua Tagovailoa for the Dolphins left the game with a rib injury. He was actually carted off, so there was questions about his future. And the overall question is, which not only what did I think of these injuries, but which injury will have the most impact? But as far as these injuries, it, it was worrying. It was worrying to see. If you check my timeline, if you check anyone's timeline, check Adam Schefter's timeline, busiest man in sports right now. The the amount of updating that it required, like literally you would get done uh, sending one tweet out saying, oh, so-and-so is injured. And then right after that, another person would get injured. And it just kept happening and happening and happening. It was almost as if it was, it was you know, like out of a storybook or someone's, or a script or something. Someone wrote it. It was, uh, it was remarkable how many injuries, and very surprising how many injuries were happening so close to each other. And a lot of people are talking since the Baltimore Ravens, of course, they had like 15 players on IR right now. Uh, there were a lot of injuries to them. There's injuries throughout the league, and injuries happen, but to see a lot of these major players get injured and a lot of quarterbacks especially those are the two things one on Sunday we saw a lot of quarterbacks go down leave games and two we saw uh if you're not a quarterback someone like TJ Watt go down and 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 miss um the rest of the game 
those are consequential injuries for those teams, and not only for those teams, but for the NFL. We know the quarterback position is valued more so than any other position in football. T.J. Watt, he's one of the faces of the NFL. He essentially is the face of the Pittsburgh Steelers franchise. To so to have him out, he is, and he just got paid. Obviously, the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. So you have all of that going for you. It was just a very messy, very bad day for the NFL as far as injuries go. And as far as which injury will have the biggest impact on their team, I it's, it's, it's interesting because if you're going to ask me which injury is going to have the biggest impact, I would say Tyrod Taylor's injury to the Texans, for the Texans rather, is bigger than all of these because the Texans don't have much. Tyrod Taylor was the one who was kind of making it all fit together, making it all work, making it all kind of go. But Outside of that, there's not really much to hang your hat on if you're a Houston Texans fan. Like Davis Mills, he came in and he he did a job, but but he was he the guy? Is he going to be a similar type of player like Tyrod Taylor? And what as far as what he means to this team, probably not. So let's take him out of the equation because the Texans are so bad. If we're talking about which like major team that has a, somewhat of a chance at least at the playoffs, I would say the biggest one would be for the Miami Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa is he's very he's in a very similar position to uh uh you know a to to a, to uh to Tua. <laughs> did I just I just did a I just did a thing there. But um uh but a pun a thing a pun. Anyway, but Tua Tagovailoa for me is probably one of the biggest injuries or will have the biggest impact for his team because we saw what Jacoby Brissett provided there when he got in it wasn't much <laughs> they lost 35 to nothing after Tua went down with that injury and you know it, as much as I know Tua gets a lot of flack people want to say oh well you know he he doesn't read defenses he doesn't he didn't play well blah 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 Tua Tagovailoa still has is a young player he's in his second year he still hasn't started 16 games for his career give him time but and, and but one thing you notice that offense is different when he's on there especially this year that it seems to be clicking at least uh, somewhat that team seems to have some sort of energy they just don't when he's not on there i think that's going to be the biggest impact on a playoff team overall going in a flip direction rather andy dalton's injury could have the biggest impact overall on a team and that is because it might give way for the bears to finally start justin fields at quarterback and it's in an unconventional way is going to help this team, I think, because I like Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is a very good quarterback. He can come in, steady the ship for a lot of teams. I like him, and he can do good things. That doesn't mean, though, that you should ignore the fact that you have the guy who is going to be the franchise for you on your bench right now in Justin Fields. You should. That doesn't mean you ignore the fact that you have a guy who can overcome a lot of the problems that the that the Chicago Bears have in their not only their offensive line, but their lack of really explosive talent outside of Allen Robinson. So I think if Andy Dalton, you know, there's still questions about what exactly is is going to happen with him. Is he going to play? If not, the plan right now is if Andy Dalton can play, they're going to go with him. If not, obviously they're going to go with Justin Fields since he's the backup. But if Andy Dalton can't play, and this gives way for Justin Fields He's not letting go of the starting job. He is one of those guys who's going to come in and not let go of the starting job. He is a leader of men. He is a 
a football player, a an athlete, whatever you want to call him, a quarterback is what is what he is and what he's playing. The guy can read defenses. His ability to move outside of the pocket is going to make the Bears' offense a little more versatile than it is. It's going to allow them to set up the run, be a lot more dangerous. He reminds me a little bit of a Russell Wilson type of uh, player, uh, kind of like a I would say probably. He's like a midpoint between Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. He's not as fast, I think, as Kyler Murray. He doesn't really have the little bit of agility as Kyler Murray, but he, he but he can move, and he's got a cannon of an arm. And he's a short. He's on the shorter side. That's obviously why I use those two as comparisons. But I think Justin Fields, when when if he gets the opportunity to start uh, this season, and if it's next week against uh, whoever they're playing, I don't, I, don't, I forgot who they're playing, but. If he gets a chance to start next week, you can rest assured that he is going to be the starter barring injury for the rest of the season. And the Bears could go on a run here because, like I said, he is going to... That offensive line is bad, but that offensive line is going to get better and and be forced and and be in a better position as far as blocking and, and, and allowing them to actually set blocking schemes. They're going to get better once Justin Fields is in there because... The defensive linemen are going to be wondering what Justin Fields is doing. If you're running RPOs with Justin Fields, it's going to be uh, difficult for defensive linemen to figure that out. It's going to give the offensive linemen a little bit of an edge and a little bit of leeway as far as, you know, if they make a mistake or two. So he can overcome a lot of the deficiencies that that offense does have. And I think that it could have the biggest impact of all of these injuries in week two because there were a lot of them. Um, another major injury that happened was Carson Wentz, obviously for the Colts. We saw that and how that played out that, that Carson Wentz call was, was wild or what happened to Carson Wentz was wild because, uh, I am reading now that he has two count them two, uh, broken or sorry, sprained ankles and he's doubtful. That means, um, Eason is probably going to get the start. And that's going to put the Colts in a bad place right now. The, 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 the Colts right now, they're 0-2. This is a team that made the playoffs last year. This is a team that went 10-6 and six with Phillip Rivers, and it's almost the same team. They just got Eric Fisher back, and it's almost the same team as last year. So if I'm a Colts fan, I'm worried because if we can't win with Carson Wentz there, and, and now we have to play with him without him, is Easton going to be better? No. No, all respect to him. He had a good preseason and all that. But no, he's, he's a backup quarterback for a reason because he's not Carson Wentz. And for the Colts, it was it was never about, oh, plug and play Wentz, right? It was about getting Wentz time to get acclimated to that offense, reacclimated to Frank Reich calling plays for him and whatnot. But the thing is, he can't do that if he doesn't get reps on the field in games. Because that's when a lot of this stuff starts to click for players. That's when you get the chemistry, the in-game chemistry. And the fact that that hasn't happened yet, we're only two games in. So let's pump the brakes. It's, it was going to happen. But this injury could set that back. And I don't know if the Colts, who are now 0-2, they played very well in this last game against the Rams. Very well. But the fact that they are 0-2, it could spell disaster. Absolute disaster for the uh, for the Indianapolis Colts moving forward because you don't have a lot of time. I know we got a, an extra game, got 17 games now, but the thing is, 
There's a lot of good teams in the AFC. And we have saw that on display yesterday. There are a lot of good teams. There's so much parity in the AFC. The Texans are a competitive team. The Raiders are a competitive team. The Bills are, are one of the classes of the entire conference. Uh, you have the... The Chargers were who are no were a tough out. The Titans, of course, who were in their division. Yeah, and you look at the, even the Jaguars. Even the Jaguars, that kid Trevor Lawrence, he's figuring things out, and he will continue to figure things out. It doesn't look pretty, but he is. But you can tell week to week, he's someone who's gonna get better. Uh, but I'm not gonna comment on the Jets because, well, I feel it's too bad for for. Uh, Zach Wilson. I'll, I'll talk about Zach Wilson in just about a minute, but the AFC is full of really good teams and really competitive teams. So if you are the Indianapolis Colts and it, you need to make sure, I don't care what you do, get your trainer in there, get him working with Carson Wentz. You need to make sure Carson Wentz is, when, he, when he's healthy, he is playing. You need to get him healthy as soon as possible. He is the only chance you have to make the playoffs. The only chance you have to be competitive in this AFC. Because if not, you're going to fall out on the wayside and you might end up be picking you might end up picking his successor just a year into this after he hasn't even started all 16 17 games whatever it is. You got to do it. You got to get him healthy and you got to protect him. Like it is it, it's weird because and, and the whole thing I never got this. I never got this because the whole thing with Carson Wentz was Hey, so he's only going to start week one if he's healthy, even though he was dealing with an injury. He was supposed to be out for like, you know, I think it was like, what, three to six weeks to begin the season. If he and and look, he injured and what he injured, mind you, is, is you know, it's a leg injury. It's, it's similar to what he had uh, during training camp, what was lingering. So my question is, if you knew that he was still injured, why did you put him in the game and not and, and uh, why did you start him to begin the season rather, and have him probably re-aggravate an injury or or make an injury worse? I don't get it. I don't get it. Doesn't make sense. I don't know what's happening. Frank Reich, I love you. You are one of the most underrated coaches there is in professional football today. But what the fuck, man? What the fuck? You gotta manage the team, man. You gotta manage it. If he if Carson Wentz wasn't ready, you don't start Wentz, and if, especially if. If you're talking about backup quarterbacks, bro, you could have gotten Minshew, Gardner Flint Minshew from the Jaguars for a sixth-round pick. If I'm the Indianapolis Colts, I would have made that trade in a heartbeat. But the thing is, they're in the same division. Okay, trade a fourth-round pick for Gardner Minshew. Guess what? He's worth it because, look, if Carson Wentz, he's injured and he doesn't work out and you're, we're seeing exactly what we're seeing right now, you could have had someone, a quality backup, who would have been made you at least competitive in this very difficult conference that you do compete in. I've used the word compete and competitive very much in this podcast, and I love to do it, and I love to bring the show to you guys. Please hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, go over on go on over to youtube.com forward slash Real Take Sports for daily videos. Anyway, so let's talk more about week three, and guys, if you have any questions in the chat, please Feel free to put them in the chat. Put any comments. What do you guys think of week th two in the chat? Um, the other thing that I w wanted to talk about because it was something that I was kind of going back and forth with someone on Twitter and talking about as I was watching the games, that Patriots-Jets game was really bad for Zach Wilson's confidence. The, that was the, I know the Jets, you know, they got blown out. twenty. It was like 25-26. They got, they, they got beat pretty bad. 
But the real loser of that game was the confidence of that rookie, Zach Wilson. Second overall pick, goes to a really, really bad team with not many weapons around him, not a great offensive line. Their best offensive lineman, uh, Mekhi Becton, got injured early in week one, so he was out, and it just got worse because you saw... You saw the offensive line in week one just completely let this kid get demolished. He looked, you know how it was a meme last year to say, oh, Joe Burrow is going to get demolished behind his offensive line. It was not a, this was not a meme. This was a reality for Zach Wilson today, or uh, on Sunday, rather, that he got destroyed by uh, the pass rush. And, and look, and there were points where the Patriots weren't even getting penetration through the line, and Zach Wilson still looked rattled. And that's what that's what happens. That's what I was warning Jets fans about. That's what I was warning the New York Jets about. Because when you have a rookie quarterback who is, like Zach Wilson is, unpolished, un- untested on the on the NFL level, and who probably is a more of a prospect than an actual plug-and-play quarterback right now in his career. When you have a guy like that, you cannot allow him to be fed to the wolves on a team that doesn't play defense, that can't block, that doesn't have many weapons around him, that doesn't have a running game. You And, uh, and you cannot do all of that and expect him to be successful. And we are seeing exactly why that is. Zach Wilson, I think, still can be a good quarterback if the New York Jets save him. By benching him. And I'm not saying, oh, bench him for his performance. No, bench him for his own safety. Because you can because you can bring in quarterbacks who, who will probably be more mentally ready to deal with what Zach Wilson is currently dealing with out there on the NFL field. However, you cannot allow a young quarterback like Zach Wilson to go out there and get his confidence absolutely shot in his rookie year. Because the way the Jets are looking right now, they might be on their way to like 1-17 or 1-16, whatever it is. They might be on their way to only winning one or two games this year. And then if they're picking at the top of the draft, you got a guy like Rattler out there who everyone agrees on is like the next big thing. Who everyone agrees on is going, is going to be NFL ready by the time he comes out of college. You're going to take him and then what's Zach Wilson going to be? He's going to be a broke man's Josh Rosen. Don't allow Zach Wilson to become a broke man's Josh Rosen. Allow him to develop. Allow him to learn. Allow him to get acclimated to an NFL offense. Allow him to get acclimated to the how the NFL works. But don't throw him to the wolves. Give him absolutely nothing to go on. Don't give him absolutely uh, no help and expect him to succeed because it is a recipe for disaster. And we've seen this with Jets quarterbacks. It's, a, it's almost cyclical at this point. Look at Sam Darnold and what he's doing right now in Carolina. He's looking great. Sam Darnold is looking amazing. We'll talk about him more in depth in just a minute, but he's looking great down there. He There were times he looked good, times he looked great, times he looked really freaking bad on that New York Jets team because that Jets team was really bad, and they got rid of him, and he, and he didn't pan out in New York. Mark Sanchez. You know, he, he's probably actually the most coddled Jets quarterback, but they also put him in when he probably wasn't ready. And, and you know, later on down the line, they didn't put the right pieces around him. And they have just not done a good job of developing quarterbacks. Geno Smith, it goes, the list goes on and on and on. Big shout out to Bryce Petty, by the way. So 
the the Jets are notorious at not developing quarterbacks. So when you when you drafted this guy on a team that is not notorious for developing quarterbacks, actually notorious for 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 ruining quarterbacks or not knowing how to tap into their potential, and you don't help him at all, this Zach Wilson's career is on a downward trajectory in week two. In two games in. He threw four picks. He didn't look like he was ready. He looked rattled. He looked like he looked like he didn't belong. And that is not what you want. You want your rookie quarterback to show poise. And this is not the fault of Zach Wilson. I want to make that abundantly clear. You want your rookie quarterback to show poise. You want him to look at least confident and and shrug off mistakes. It did not look like that for Zach Wilson on Sunday. It looked like Zach Wilson was the, the he got they got to him mentally. The Patriots did, and it, it it's just sad because this is a guy in Zach Wilson who I think has potential. Dude's got an absolute cannon of an arm, but they are turning Zach Wilson, someone who who many people thought. Many people thought Zach Wilson, there was this crazy thing of people thought he was going to be Mahomes. I don't agree with that comparison. In my opinion, Wilson could have been, I think, a lot more like a, like a Jared Goff type player. They turned someone who probably should have been maybe a better, better version of Jared Goff into Jimmy Clausen or Josh Rosen. Pick you whoever, whatever bus quarterback you want. That's what they're turning him into. And I, I'm telling you, Jets fans, it is a slippery slope. With, with you guys and quarterbacks. It's a slippery slope. This is, you, you shouldn't start him. If you, if you want to salvage his career and salvage what you have, your investment in him, put, take him out right now and put in someone else. Let him learn. Maybe down, the se- maybe down the line throughout the season, at the end of the season, put him in for a few games. Test him out a little bit. Invest in him. But don't expect to win him when you're ruining his confidence. Don't expect that at all. He never should have started the season to begin with. Not at all. It was it was it was a fool's errand, a fool's errand on that team to expect him to be confident, successful, and poised. A fool's errand, and that is on the New York Jets. It's on Robert Sala, who I have a lot of respect for, who I think is going to be a good coach. But man, they 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 should not have put that kid in. And look, you you got someone like Josh Johnson on the depth chart in the in New York. You can do some things with Josh Johnson. He's still a pretty fast quarterback. You can do some things with him. He's been around the NFL. He's acclimated to it. Put him in. What's the what's the harm? What's the difference? The only harm in putting Zach Wilson in is, mm, well, you know, we might have just wasted a sec, uh, second overall pick because we didn't know what we were doing and we ruined him. J-E-T-S. Suck, suck, suck. Anyway, guys, what else do you guys want to talk about from NFL Week 2? Let me know in the chat. Um, what else happened in Week 2? So, talked about the Jets, talked about the... Well, we'll talk about the, more in depth about what happened in some of the more primetime games. But one of the biggest uh, things that I saw... One of the things I noticed, rather, was Jimmy G, man. Jimmy G against that that Philadelphia Eagles team. Again, not a good defense, but Jimmy G played very well, I thought. Yeah, I thought he, he started off the game very slow. That that whole San Francisco offense started off the game very slow. They weren't getting good protection. They weren't uh, getting getting the running game going. They actually didn't really get the running game going until like the fourth, third or fourth quarter. So it was, it was tough sledding for them in the first half. But one thing I noticed was as they went on, as the game went on through, into the second half, San Francisco got pretty good. 
The Eagles showed, uh, showed fleeting moments of, of productiveness, followed by ineptitude at uh, coaching calls. Of course, they tried that Philly Philly play with Jalen Hurts, who, by the way, is not a six foot four quarterback like uh, like uh, Nick Foles is, and who, can't, who couldn't get up there like he did, and he was covered too, so that didn't help. But uh, but uh, I thought San Francisco played very well. I think San Francisco. A lot of teams are sleeping on San Francisco because of Jimmy G. Because there's this weird idea that Jimmy G somehow is still not a good quarterback or isn't a quarterback that teams should be afraid of. When in 2019, just two years ago, we were saying the exact opposite. Jimmy G on that team with that running game and everything was very good, was very good. And he was taking advantage of fully taking advantage of what he had. But the thing is. Uh, a, a year later, you know, the injury happens again. He gets injured. I get the whole thing. I understand people being wary of Jimmy G because of the injury. I understand that fully. However, one thing I don't understand is why people equate the injury, the him being plagued to injury with him being not a good quarterback or him being a bad quarterback. I don't understand that because... It's one thing, it's one thing for him when he's healthy, when, when he's on the field, to actually play bad. He doesn't do that. Jimmy G is not a bad quarterback. He rarely ever has he had a bad game. But he does get injured quite often. But that doesn't mean, but if you're asking, if you're telling me, oh, even when healthy, Jimmy G is like not a top 20 quarterback. Oh, well, that's cap. That's cap. He's a top 50. He's better than Kirk Cousins. If you're asking me if I'm building my team, who am I having, uh, Kirk Cousins or Jimmy G? Not even close. I'm having Jimmy G way before I have Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is on a team that throws the ball way more, that has honestly better receivers right now. It's not even close. He's taking Kirk Cousins, and also Kirk Cousins. What's he doing? He's 0 2. Jimmy G's 2 and 0. Just saying. Just saying, um, but I think Jimmy G is gonna. I think Jimmy G is actually gonna ride this out with the 49ers. If, uh, if he doesn't get injured, I think Jimmy G is gonna ride this out with the San Francisco 49ers. He's going to end up being the starter for the rest of the year, lead this team to the playoffs. And if this 49ers team gets into the playoffs, they're dangerous. Don't sleep on San Francisco. Do not sleep on this team. They're playing very good defense. They 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 were able to run the ball very well in Week One. They weren't able to get a lot of penetration early on in the second half in Week Two game against the Eagles. However, I think they're going to be able to mend that and 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 actually do that throughout the season and consistently because they are a running back factory. It doesn't matter who they got. Mostert gets injured. <laughs> Trey Sermon will draft him. Trey Sermon gets injured. <laughs> Who's this guy? Elijah Mitchell will bring him in and 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 have him run the ball for 100 yards and a touchdown in week one. So they are a running back factory. This team has depth. They are coached very well. And Jimmy G is the perfect guy, the perfect bridge between this era, uh, this San Francisco 49ers team and what they will become, hopefully, under Trey Lance. I don't think if you're San Francisco, you're going to rush. I don't think they want to rush. This is a team that has taken the slow wait-and-see approach, and it's working out for them. They're 2-0. Fight them. <laughs> but that's what I thought. Um, best game of this season, or best game of this week, I thought, was the Baltimore Ravens and Chiefs game. Of course, I am biased as a Baltimore Ravens fan. I admit that. Um, 
You know, other than that, I, I really enjoyed. Well, I'll tell you one game I really enjoyed watching. That Philadelphia-San Francisco game, I was watching that very closely. It was my market game, but I was watching that very closely. I really enjoyed that game. I thought that was a very good game. And and I know and it was like my style of football. I know a lot of people probably don't agree. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, it's boring, slow-scoring game or, or, or not-scoring game. I'm just like, ah, I enjoyed it. Fight me. <laughs> Bite me, uh, but also like me, like this button, like that, eh, like this video, hit that subscribe button and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Um, let's move on and talk more specifically about some of these games in week two. Uh, as I pull up my graphics, uh, let me just get a swing of water real quick. Say thirsty, my friends. Anyway, let's move on and talk about the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens by ah, the Baltimore Ravens behind Lamar Jackson and coach John Harbaugh defeated the Kansas City Chiefs. Going into this game, Baltimore was 0 and 3 against sorry, Lamar Jackson rather was 0 and 3 against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. That all changed on Sunday night when Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens defeated Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs 36-35 in a nail-biting affair that saw going for it on fourth down, that saw fumbles in the fourth quarter, and that saw Lamar Jackson play what I think one of his best games of his entire career, and I will tell you exactly why that is. Early on in the game, game starts, third play, Lamar Jackson immediately throws a pick six. Tyron Matthew runs it back for a touchdown, 7-0 Chiefs. And the play before that, Lamar Jackson actually missed Hollywood Brown on what would, would have been an easy touchdown. He overthrew him. So that was essentially a 14-point swing. Could have been 7-0 Ravens. Instead, it was 7-0 Chiefs. Then we go, they they then they go and they have that weird exchange on the goal line where the Ravens score the touchdown, but they fumbled. Uh, but then Duvernay, the wide receiver, actually recovered the fumble and ended up scoring anyway. It was it was a weird, it was just a weird first quarter for the Baltimore Ravens. And it you were really thinking there for a second that hey, this team might not be able to do it. This team might not be able to to might it might just might be one of those nights where they're just not hitting on all cylinders and they're going to get routed by the Chiefs or they're going to lose to the Chiefs. And the thing with the Ravens is they kept it close. They they at the, almost at no point in that game outside of the last like 2 minutes of the game. No point in the game did the Ravens look like they controlled the game. At no point it was mostly Chiefs. The Chiefs were out there doing whatever they want. They were out there just Patrick Mahomes, no look pass after no look pass after sidearm after whatever he was doing out there. He was just, they did whatever they want on on offense at the Chiefs, and we saw that. The the what shifted the game, the play that shifted the game the most was when Patrick Mahomes was intercepted by Tavon Young on what was an errant pass, a bad decision that Patrick Mahomes even admits now was a terrible decision. That's what shifted all the momentum of the game. And that's what shifted this in Baltimore's favor because at that point, Baltimore was down and the Chiefs just looked like, again, they were just going to score, do whatever they wanted. Baltimore was down. Tavon Young picks it off. They go down and score that touchdown. Baltimore and Lamar, of course, he did that uh, cartwheel into the end zone that many people didn't like. But you saw the swagger come back. You saw the Baltimore Ravens kind of kind of get things going again. And when they got the lead 36-35, to what happened on the ensuing uh, Chiefs drive? 
Chiefs look like they're driving down. They're, and they only need a field goal. There's less than two minutes to play. A minute, 20 seconds, rather, to play. And what happens? Odafe Owe, first-round pick for the Baltimore Ravens this year, forces the fumble and then recovers his own forced fumble to take over at the at the at their own 39-yard line with a minute 20 to go. Chiefs still had all three timeouts and then we saw Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh as they ran it two times, completed a 9-yard slant to uh Sammy Watkins, fourth and one. Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh, what do we do? Lamar uh, John Harbaugh looks over to Lamar and says, "Lamar, should we go for it?" Lamar says, hell yeah, coach, let's go for it. Harbaugh says, let's go. And they run just like they did in Seattle a few weeks ago or a few years ago. They ran a quarterback power with Lamar to the left. Boom, Lamar picks up the first down. Baltimore beats Kansas City in in an astonishing fashion. Jackson had 239 yards, one touchdown, the two picks, of course. But he also had 107 yards on the ground with two rushing touchdowns. And look, all of his picks came in that first quarter. It looked ugly, but Lamar was Lamar showed that he was battle-tested. Lamar showed that he had the mental toughness to deal with it. And the question on everyone's mind now... Are the Ravens contenders? And the answer to that is, hell yeah, they're contenders. The Baltimore Ravens are 100% contenders in the AFC. They're contenders in the NFL for a Super Bowl. Yes, I said it, a Super Bowl. And the plain reason for that is because this is a team that is coached well. This is a team that is not afraid of anyone. A team that will punch you in the mouth on defense, even after Pat Mahomes was slinging the rock to whoever he wanted to. One thing was for sure, though. They were not going to let Tyreek Hill beat him. Tyreek Hill had two catches in this entire game. He was not, like, he couldn't target him because they double-covered him. They said, let Patrick Mahomes or one of these other guys beat us. We're not getting beat by Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. We're not letting that connection happen. They didn't, and when time came for the Chiefs to run the ball, they punched it out. The ball That's what the Baltimore Ravens defense does. Even when they're at their heels, they are a tough well-coached defense. They know exactly what to do in these big moments. That's what they're taught. So they have that. They have the best running game in the NFL. And I don't want to hear things like, oh, man, that offense is weak. The Baltimore Ravens are a top three total offense in the entire league. That is top three in total yards in the entire league right now. Two games in their top three. They were a top 10 um, in 2020, top five in twenty twenty in twenty nineteen in total offense, so I don't want to hear anything. Number one in rushing as they have been ever since Lamar Jackson came to the league. So don't want to hear anything about that. Look, the 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 big question for the Baltimore Ravens was could they beat the Chiefs? This monkey now is off their backs. They can beat anybody. And any given Sunday, Baltimore can beat anybody. They proved it because they have the resiliency. After 15 players went on IR, they beat the Chiefs. This is a this is a season defining win for this team. Much like how they had that 2012 victory over the New England Patriots in Week Three to to kind of get that monkey off their bat. Joe Flacco, John Harbaugh hadn't beat the Patriots ever before that, or hadn't beat the Patriots in the regular season before that. They got that. 
over they got that monkey off their back. This is a very similar dynamic we're seeing play out. This team reminds me a lot of that 2012 team uh, in different ways as far as, you know, a lot of these players on IR, a lot of inju- players playing with injuries. Uh, you don't know, like the offense doesn't look, ex- or people don't think the offense is explosive. Even the Hollywood Brown, big shout out to him. He had 113 yards receiving, uh, had a touchdown, like off that amazing jump pass by Lamar Jackson. My God, he was... He was amazing. This team is different. They are mentally tough. They have a lot. They have a lot to give. And and look, say what you want about oh, this offense can't pass. The Ravens are going to go out there and do it their way. The Baltimore Ravens are going to go out there and run the ball down your throats and force you to choose either. Okay, you're gonna you're either gonna try to box everyone in, and once we got Hollywood Brown and Rashad Bateman and Sammy Watkins all one on one, and Mark Andrews, don't forget about him. Once you got all those guys one on one, bet Lamar throw the rock. That's what they do. That's what they set up. And if you can't stop the run, why the hell would they stop the run? Why the hell would the Ravens stop running when you can't stop the run? Just keep running the damn ball. Win the game. That's the thing people don't understand. People like to make football like this whole oh, analytical thing of, okay, well, this team's offense isn't, isn't passing the ball as efficiently or, or, or as much, even though the Ravens are one of the most efficient passing teams since Lamar came into the league, but besides me, um, the the idea that this team uh, like is 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 going to you know eventually falter or something it's just tr- untrue they are a contender just like the bills are just like the chiefs are just like the bucks are they are that damn good and they proved it on sunday night so when it comes around playoff time and the baltimore ravens are still have still have one of the best records in the nfl don't be surprised because lamar jackson and john harbaugh together They've only lost, like, what is it? They've only lost, what? They've, I think Lamar, has, for his career, has a record of, like, 35 and and 8. D- don't quote me exactly on it, but it's right around there. It is a it is an insane winning percentage. I think it, it is one of the best, if not the best, since Lamar came into the league. And he just continues to prove every single day why. Why the Ravens traded up and drafted him. He continues to prove why he's a special player, and he continues to prove why Lamar Jackson is not the second coming of Michael Vick, is not the second coming of Randall Cunningham, is not some sort of, oh, running quarterback. He is Lamar freaking Jackson. He will beat you however he wants to beat you and laugh and have fun doing it, which is exactly what he did to the Kansas City Chiefs this past Sunday. At the bank. Guys, please hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, go check out those links in the description of this uh, of this episode. We got a lot of content always uh, on YouTube. We're gonna have a blog coming soon, so be sure to check that out. Uh, we're, it's still in the it's still in the development stage, so we got that coming. It's a big announcement I'm gonna make fairly soon. Just past 700 subscribers. Thank you guys so much for your for your uh, uh, for your confidence, for your likes, for your subscriptions. Thank you so much. It means a lot. If you want to help out the show and help us grow and help us keep churning this out, you can head on over to patreoncom sports to um, head to get that and some exclusive content as well. But anyway, moving on in the NFL. Guys, let's talk about the San Francisco. Or sorry, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers, a team that 
Nobody, absolutely nobody was talking about coming into the NFL season, but a team that has proven that they might be something to reckon with throughout the season. And before we do, though, again, I should plan my water breaks out better, shouldn't I? Parched. Anyway. Carolina Panthers defeated the New Orleans Saints on Sunday 26-7. Sam Darnold led the way with 305 passing yards and a pair of touchdowns through the air. The Panthers now improved to 2-0. They're playing good defense. Sam Darnold looks like he's settled into the role as a starting quarterback as the guy in Carolina. Matt Rule, a guy, a hire who didn't really get too much attention uh, throughout the 2020 season. Man, he did a good job coaching these guys up. The Carolina Panthers right now, they're 2-0, they're playing good football, and they just beat a team that hung 38 points up on Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. The question is, how impressive is this win? I think the win is very impressive, because, especially because they, uh, they, they, it saw the return of uh, Apple, or, or sorry, the, the return of Chef Jameis serving up his world-famous Apple turnovers. Um, but the question is, one, how impressive it is, and two, is this going to last? I think this is a team that I we knew coming into the season because they were also last year with Eddie Bridgewater at quarterback. The Carolina Panthers are going are a competitive team. They might not they might not have been you know uh, you know ten have ten wins eleven wins whatever it was last year they had like what six they went six and ten seven and nine somewhere like that they but they were a competitive team for most of the season and they proved that they belonged in a lot of those games they brought in Sam Darnold they got better on defense and now they're two and zero. I think this is a team that is a surprise to make the playoffs the Carolina Panthers. I think are a surprise to make the playoffs. They could be the story of this season because it has. There's a lot of parts in it that that makes sense. You, the return of Christian McCaffrey, he could be comeback player of the year. The return or the return or the debut rather of Sam Darnold and what he's done in this short time right now. He's got almost 600 yards, three touchdowns, 68% of his passes being completed. Sam Darnold is proving all the doubters, everyone who said he was a bust, he's proving them wrong. Matt Rule has this team at 2-0. Again, playing great defense. I think this team is going to give the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a little bit of a fight in that NFC South. We knew, we thought it was going to be the Saints. wasn't them. Uh, Chef Jameis and his Apple turnovers returned. So now it's up to Sam Darnold and company to do that job. And when Sam Darnold has the weapons around him, like Robbie Anderson, who he has that chemistry with, who he likes, when he has someone like Run CMC and Christian McCaffrey to, to take the load off of him, he can be great, and he's proving it week in, week out over the past two weeks. And again, small sample size, but it could be a sign of things to come, and I think it is because we take the transition of what this team was last year into this year. They're still competitive. They're still playing good football, and they are well-coached in doing it. And those type, those are the types of teams that usually go on little bits of runs here and end up making the playoffs. And I think this is the next step for the Carolina Panthers. After having that you know, competitive but mediocre season, uh, that competitive season with a mediocre record, now is the chance. Like, hey, they might, they might be in the discussion of, hey, winning the, uh, making the playoffs. Who knows? They might. We haven't even seen them play the Bucks. That's going to be the real test for this team. If they can play the Bucks and at least be competitive with them, 
watch out for this team, the NFL. This is not a team you want to face. The Panthers and the Ravens, these are two teams that I don't think anyone wants to face because they they play very tough football. And that's not a, you don't get that a lot in the NFL these days. You don't get those teams that are going to play ground and pound football, win at all costs, and 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 adjust on the fly to do so. That's what this team reminds me of. And they got that punch that 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 no, uh, what's it called? That it, it's like that uh, that that no holds barred mentality. That mentality. If you're not afraid, you're not afraid. They don't fear anyone. They don't fear anything. They don't fear the result. They are just trying to do whatever it takes to get the win. And I think that and someone like Sam Darnold, huge chip on his shoulder. Someone like Run CMC, Christian McCaffrey, big chip on his shoulder after his injury. Robbie Anderson and company, of course. They all got chips on their shoulders. I think Matt Rule, of course, also has a chip on his shoulder. So this is a team that I'm going to have fun watching in 2021. I think they're going to be one of the stories of this season. And if they make the playoffs, and you don't, this is a team you don't want to face in the NFC. I can promise you that. Uh, but the big question is, what are they going to do when they face uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I, I, I'm not sure when that is. I'll actually look that up right now. But... That's going to be a game that I think everyone should closely watch. So, the oh, wow. They don't play until December. Oh, my God. Okay, so, yeah, we got to wait like five months to see what this team is or whatever. But uh, so the, they play they play the Tampa Bay Bucks at home on December 26th. That's the day after Christmas. And then January 9th. So it's like the last like few weeks of the season, literally at the ver- tail end of the season. They have two key divisional games that could wind up deciding the entire division right there. Uh, God, I love the NFL and the way they do things. It is amazing. And it's amazing to talk about it with you guys. Thank you for letting me do so. Please hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Um, Yeah, so uh, the other, so there, there's a few other things we got to talk about. And then uh, we'll probably uh, uh, let this go. And then we'll get ready for Monday Night Football as the Detroit Lions take on the Green Bay Packers. Although if you're listening to this on audio, then you've already seen that game. In which case... Yeah, Detroit whooped their ass, hopefully. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, good thing I'm not betting, man. But other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the Minnesota Vikings and their performance in Week 2 because that was kind of a standout game also. Uh, you saw that game go down to the wire, and it could have implications for the Vikings because this is one too many times, I think, this is starting to happen where kickers are missing field goals where where we're seeing, you know, these types of things happen and at the end of the day it goes to coaching. But let's talk about it. The Carolina Panthers oh sorry. <laughs> Take two. The Minnesota Vikings. Okay. The Minnesota Vikings lost a nail biting affair to the Arizona Cardinals. 34 to 33 after their kicker missed a chip shot field goal that would have given them the win and time expired. They now fall to 0 and 2 and the questions are coming in. What is happening with the Vikings? They can't seem to find a kicker. You can see right there on the graphic, kicker just holding his head like this, doesn't know what happened. Well, guess what? You put on the Minnesota uniform, kid. That's what happens to kickers when they put on the Minnesota Vikings uniform. Ask Dan Bailey. Ask uh, 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 Blair Walsh. Ask anyone who's ever put on that field goal. Daniel Carlson. All of them. It, it, It is what it is. But anyway... 
anyway, but the, this this game was kind of indicative of the problems that the Vikings have had or what this team has really been over the past number of seasons. And that is very competitive, but competitive not again like 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 they're competitive but at the same time there's this air of mediocrity they're they're never they never play up to their full potential ever they've never played up to their full potential and at at the moments where they need to be clutch they always falter and the, the question is is Mike Zimmer the reason for this and I think we have to start thinking about Mike Zimmer being the reason for this because it's happened one too many times it can't just be the kicker it, I'm sorry it can't just be oh well they just can't find a kicker and when they finally find that kicker no why are the, why are they always in these close games every single week and always somehow managing to either blow leads or or managing to give the ball away, or managing to lose. They never finish. That starts from the top. It starts from the head coach. It, it trickles down to the quarterback, who, again, he good quarterback, can't finish. That's been the story of Kirk Cousins' career. It's been the story of Mike Zimmer's tenure in Minnesota. And I think if I'm the Vikings, you could you have two paths you can go by. If you truly believe that Mike Zimmer, or that Kirk Cousins is your quarterback, you ha- you can either fire Mike Zimmer this year because if they don't make the playoffs, if they keep playing the way they're zero and two right now, and it- and it's not going to get any better. They still have to play Aaron Rodgers, a pissed off Aaron Rodgers, a competitive Detroit Lions team. They have to play uh, the-, the Bears, who might be starting Justin Fields soon. So it is. So if you're the Vikings, where do you fall into the mix here, guys? You got to start winning games. This was this was they should have won this game, and they should have won it before the kick. They had opportunities to win this before the kick. They just didn't because this team doesn't know how to finish. They Harrison uh, Smith, great player, not his fault. But it go, it, but it, it, it's it's this weird air of mentality. And again, I don't know what it is. Whether it's the coach, whether it's the quarterback, but it might be both. You might need to get rid of both. You sh- you had Case Keenum, who was actually good at closing out games, but. You didn't want to keep him. Instead, you wanted to pay Kirk Cousins to be the highest paid player in NFL history. But again, all that aside, I think it's going to be tough sledding for the Vikings here. Mike Zimmer, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, needs to go. And and I and I'm not saying that because I want him to get fired or whatever. It just needs to happen because if they have him stick around for the next year or two, and they're just in the same exact place they were, what's happening is this is as this is, as this keeps happening. They just keep, oh they keep having seven eight or seasons or seven eight and one seasons eight and eight seasons eight and nine seasons now they, if they just keep doing that this team is is just gonna wear out its welcome and a lot of the players are their contracts are gonna run out eventually Dalvin Cook's gonna go he's gonna be off his rookie deal he's gonna go somewhere eventually Kirk Cousins gonna go Adam Thielen's gonna get tired of medi- being mediocre and on a mediocre team he's gonna go. Eventually, you're going to run out of time. You're going to waste the the talent that this team does have. So if the Vikings are smart and they don't make the playoffs this year, you have to fire Mike Zimmer and get someone who can help this team learn how to win. I don't know who that person is, but it's just like it. it but this team reminds me so much of the Bengals under the Marvin Lewis uh, tenure. So much of the Andy Dalton Bengals. Like it is, it, it's insane. They're just mediocre sometimes who can who but they have the potential to be good sometimes they reach their potential but most of the time they don't and I think it comes down to coaching Mike Zimmer 
could very well be the problem here. I hope he proves me wrong. I like Mike Zimmer. I think he's a great defensive mind. I think he he had the chance to be a great head coach, but there were a lot of decisions that were made by the Minnesota Vikings that didn't work, and they didn't and they didn't work on paper. They didn't work on the field, and that's why we're seeing this mess of a situation in Minnesota right now. So they got to do something because if not, two three years from now, this team. They're going to end up blowing it up and and having to rebuild because they're not going to have a lot of their key players. And they're not going to have the success they once had. They're going to be the players going to get older, players are going to take more hits, hits, and time runs out on teams. That's where you have to be ready to adapt and this is not a team that has been proven they're able to adapt to these situations. They're they've not proven that they're able to close out these games and those are the team. That's why I use that term mediocre. This is a this is a mediocre team that should be a competitive team or sorry a mediocre team that is competitive but a one that should be competitive and in the playoffs every year but they're not because of just the culture of the team. I don't know. Y'all tell me. Y'all tell me I can't figure this one out. Maybe it has something to do with the quarterback that drives all his teammates away, maybe. Maybe it has something to do with the coach that doesn't uh, know how to finish games and doesn't know how to uh, get his teams to invest in winning games. Maybe. I don't know. Y'all tell me. Anyway, let's move on and talk about, I think this is our last official topic. And then, uh, you know, the Monday night countdown is going to probably start. Uh, do, do, do. Let me, all right, just had to send a text there. Uh, don't text and podcast people. It's not a good look. <laughs> anyway, so let's talk about the Houston Texans, a team that many thought were going to be really bad this year. Turned out to be pretty competitive, at least they are two weeks in. But that might not last for so long after what happened on Sunday because they, they're, they're the reason they've been competitive. Just just he his his whole hammy just took an L. But let's talk about it. Um, Tyrod Taylor and the Houston Texans. They looked so good. They looked so good. That's what I'm so sad to move on to the topic. Anyway, but Houston Texans ah, Houston Texans quarterback Tyrod Taylor left Sunday's game in Cleveland with a hamstring injury and was replaced by rookie quarterback Davis Mills to start off the second half. Head coach David Culley did not rule Taylor out for Thursday night's game against the Carolina Panthers, but did say that the team doesn't know the severity of the injury, saying, quote, it was severe enough that he couldn't play the second half. So this begs the question now, what is next for the Houston Texans? And it also brings up the topic of Deshaun Watson. Could they or should they bring in Deshaun Watson? And I'll speak on the latter first. Um, could they bring in Deshaun Watson? Sure. That that I mean, he, he they could. I think they've already said that they that is not in the plans. They they don't plan to ha- activate him, even though he is on the fifty three man roster. He is still getting paid. He's he's act- he's he's there, but he's inactive, and I don't think he goes even goes to the game. So he's not really providing much. Um, the the question of could they obviously they could, but should they? Like the thing is, even if you do, let's say. Because they already said they're probably not doing that. But let's say they even activate Deshaun Watson. They activate Deshaun Watson. There is no guarantee that Deshaun Watson even plays. Doesn't, And I'm not saying that because, oh, he might be injured, rusty, whatever. 
because the because Deshaun Watson still has these sexual assault allegations against him, there's a very good chance that he's going to end up on the commissioner's exempt list if he's listed as active. Right now, the ball is not in the NFL's court, so the NFL is not taking any action on it. But ha- if the Texans put the ball in the NFL's court and say, hey, our plan is to start this guy, what do you say? They're going to be forced to come up with an answer, and it's very likely that that answer is going to be Deshaun Watson is just going to sit on the sidelines anyway and be on the commissioner's exempt list. And, you know, that actually might help them out because they might be able to uh, sign another quarterback or at least add another roster piece instead of carrying Deshaun Watson on their uh, on their active roster while not being able to sign anyone else. But that's not going to happen. The plan for the Houston Texans is probably to start Davis Mills if Tyrod Taylor's injury is proven to be, you know, an extended uh, injury. Um, and it's kind of sad because the, the Tyrod Taylor, I just got to speak on Tyrod Taylor for a minute. Tyrod Taylor has had one of the most interesting careers in football that, that one can probably talk about. He started off as Joe Flacco's backup in Baltimore. He went on and he, he was actually the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. And ended their playoff drought after, like, what was it, like, 16 years? He ended their playoff drought. They end up drafting Josh Allen. He he moves on to Cleveland. Ends up winning uh, their first game, I believe, since uh, in, like, after their 0-16 season. He ended up bringing the first one to Cleveland in a while. So he, he he was doing some good things down there in Cleveland. He gets injured again. Opens the door for Baker Mayfield. Goes to uh go goes to San Diego. Sorry, goes to L.A. The Chargers, and he ends up being the starter for the first game. Before the second game, gets a shot. The doctor punctures his lung, and boom, Justin Air Bear down there in uh, L.A. is the uh, quarterback of the Chargers, and now he's getting a chance with the Texans. And week two, again, week two just might not be a good week for him. It's sad. It's sad to see that because Tyrod Taylor is a guy. He's been around. He's played very good football. He just gets injured. It's sad to see that. Um, but it's a big loss for the Houston Texans. Texans were only competitive, I, I would ar- I argue, because of Tyrod Taylor. I think Tyrod Taylor was the main reason they were competitive. I think he was the primary reason they were in games over the past two weeks. And again, they've only played the Jaguars and the... Um, and the Cleveland Browns, but even the Browns game, he that was a little bit of a revenge, revenge game for him. He was he was playing like it. He was playing very well until he left, and then you know they weren't going to win. They just weren't going to win. Beat the Browns with Davis Mills. No disrespect, Davis Mills could be a future Hall of Famer at some point. Again, I say could be because I don't know what the guy really looks like when he has a week to prepare, and and we'll see. We'll see what happens with Davis Mills. I doubt it, but hey, who knows? Where uh, crazier things have happened, right? But. I think this Texans team is 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 gonna get, get bad because Tyrod Taylor was like the only thing really holding this offense together. I thought that his his experience, his leadership, his ability was going to be enough to keep them competitive in games. I'm not sure if Davis Mills can do the same. We'll see. Um, but defensively, they don't have much. Offensively, outside of Brandon Cooks, not they they really don't have much. Uh, Mark Ingram can still do some things, but. We saw in week one, you know, he had like, what was it, like 80-something yards and then uh, a touchdown. So he played good in week one. And then week two comes around, and we try to see what he has there. And it was eh, like 40 yards or whatever it was. And, you know, it it was he just 
again, it, outside of outside of uh, Tyrod and Brandon Cooks, there's really not much for this team to really hang their hat on. David Culley is he an inspiring coach? Eh. It's it's just it's just going to be tough sledding, I think, for Houston over the next number of weeks. That's my opinion. Anyway, I think that, that that's been my recap. I like this Monday recap episode, like a nice little short episode. Maybe maybe, maybe we'll make it a regular thing. Y'all let me know. Keep the conversation going at Real Take Sports on Twitter. Follow us at Real Take Sports on Twitter and go to Facebook.com forward slash Real Take Sports, YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Also, be sure to check out Real Take Wrestle Talk on uh, Tuesday nights, Real Take Sports Talk, hopefully continuously on Wednesday nights, and Real Take Football Talk every single Sunday morning to break down all the games from the that week's NFL season. I've been Omar Q, the, the El Jefe of Real Take Sports INC, and I will see you guys same time, same place next week. Actually, not same time, same place. I lied about that. Total cap right there. Real take cap talk made its return right there. Uh, but I will, uh, but yeah, I'll see you guys on Tuesday night. Uh, Real take wrestle talk. Be sure to check that podcast out for all you wrestling fans out there. And we will see you down the line.